And welcome to November. Yes, we are a week away from the midterm elections and the most important election of our lifetime. It's Michael Pelka on the Pure Pelka podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me. Big show coming up this Saturday night live in Philadelphia on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're going to be live and uh, you can listen via the Odyssey app. And we're going to go over everything up to the minute. And you can also participate. You'll be able to call in on that live show as well. So get ready for that. We're going to kind of build up to that big show Saturday night. And uh, Friday night, I'm also doing a live show across Iowa for Simon Conway. So three hours Friday, three hours Saturday, and then back again in Iowa on Monday. And we will lead right up to the midterm elections. We're going to cover everything. And there's a lot to cover today. There's a, a, a follow-up to the Nancy Pelosi attack on her husband. Now, she didn't attack him. Uh, the, uh, the guy who admitted he was there to kidnap Nancy and attacked allegedly attacked Nancy's husband. He's now in, in uh, a holding cell awaiting trial. We'll see what happens there. A friend of mine wrote and said, hey, how come the feds have taken over this case? And I said, well, that happens in kidnappings. The feds jump right in there and they take over kidnapping. So it's not like anything nefarious. But we'll talk with Wendy Patrick, the attorney, author, prosecutor, about what's going on with that case. And I also may ask her about the, uh, the Bikini Baristas case, which was decided yesterday, too. Kind of an important case, allowing baristas to wear bikinis when they serve hot coffee up there in uh, Everett, Washington. I know it's a big, important case. But let's look at this day in history before we get to the other things I want to talk about today. Very important stuff. On this day in 1512, the Sistine Chapel opened to the public. And if you've never seen the Sistine Chapel in Rome, I hope if you get to Rome, you will make the time. It is astounding. And I believe it was about uh, 30, 40 years ago, that uh, Kodak paid to restore it to make sure the paintings were taken care of. And it is beautiful. Absolutely stunning. They won't let you lay on the floor anymore. Way back when, you used to be able to go there and lay down on the floor and look up at the ceiling. Now it's too crowded, so they keep people moving along. And thankfully, they stopped people from smoking in there because for decades, maybe for hundreds of years, people would smoke inside the Sistine Chapel and all that ash would end up on the ceiling eventually. So that's not a good thing. Uh, 1512. On this date in 1800, John Adams moved into the president's house. It soon became known as the White House. It was 1800, the first president to move into the White House. In 1946, the first NBA game was played between the New York Knickerbockers and the Toronto Huskies. New York won that one, barely, 68-66. That's like a halftime score now. Uh, President Truman in 1950 survived an assassination attempt. It was by some uh, crazed Puerto Rican nationalists who wanted to kill Truman. He was not living in the White House at the time. The White House was undergoing renovations. So he was at Blair House, uh, which is where the vice president usually lives. And there was um, a near miss there, but he survived, thankfully. In 52, two years later, we tested the first H-bomb. We had dominance again in the, uh, in the big high-powered weapons world. The Soviets were not far behind, though. 
1967, the first issue of Rolling Stone hit newsstands. John Lennon on the cover with that goofy uh, helmet on. It used to be a great music magazine. It's not so much anymore. It's become a political tool. And in the state, 1993, the EU became an official thing. The EU, the European Union, and its uh, Maastricht Treaty took effect. Although, you know, they're kind of losing people, the EU. All right, as we're getting ready for the midterms, I, I want to share a couple things with you, kind of different than my usual political rantings. I want to point you somewhere. I want to give you a hip tip, as we used to say. And it's uh, protest music. You know, we haven't had great protest music, in my opinion, since the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And I think it's making a comeback. And I think it's making a comeback for our side. And uh, there is an album out there from, uh, I think, a very innovative group called Five Times August. Pretty much it's one guy. But Five Times August, you can find them on Twitter under Five Times August. But they're also on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and this new album out called Silent War, which has just a whole bunch of great stuff on it. I listened to the whole thing. And I'll give you a, an example. Because I believe if you win the culture war, you will ultimately win the country back. And protest music is a good place to start. There is uh, a song on this uh, album, Silent War, the second track on the album. I'll give you a little bit of it. Give me uh, about a minute of it. It's called Jesus. What happened to us? Five times August. Behave or pay the fine They're pulling on your backbone And taking out your spine They want you weak Don't speak Don't question Don't think Keep staring at your smartphone Get dumber every week Now give up your freedom And shush Oh Jesus What happened to us? Kill your faith, judge the skin and learn to hate Make yourself the enemy, but call yourself a saint Learn the rules, be a fool Remove your kid from school And apologize for everything, apologize for you Now give the TV all of your trust Oh Jesus, what happened to us? That's about the first minute of that song It's really well done and uh, well-written. There's a video that goes along with it. Again, the uh, performer group, Five Times August. You can find it pretty much uh, anywhere you want to find it. Uh, one of the other songs that I think is worth getting a little bit of love to is something called the, the Anti-Fascist Blues. <laughs> Take what you want, cause what you want is what you owe Come in and 
ashes till they're all controlled Preach in the street for the communist party Pro-choice, no voice, never mind the heartbeat Dictate, race bait, agitate, mandate Dress and drag and burn the flag, then run and find a safe space Tell us how you feel until we give you what you need Call everyone a press till they're on their knees Pretty darn good. It reminds me a lot of the old Bob Dylan stuff. And uh, this, again, is protest music that we are not seeing anywhere else. We're not seeing it from the left because they dominate the space so they don't have to protest anything. There's one more. I'll give you one more. The title of this track, and there are many tracks on this album. They're all great, including Out of Your Damn Mind, which is really good. But this one, I Will Not Be Leaving Quietly. This might be my mantra going forward. Dedicated to all those fighting for truth and freedom. Come on! You can hate me, try to break me, talk me down and denigrate me. You can try to silence every word, but I will not. That's right. That's me. I will not be leaving quietly. Not at all. I will stand up and shout as often as I can. As I said, the album is uh, called Silent War from Five Times August. Maybe we'll close up the show with Out of Your Damn Mind, which I, I first heard last week. And then I chased down the guy on Twitter and he sent me the link to the whole album. You can you can buy it, you can share it, you can download it, all that stuff. And I recommend we support these artists because they are going to make a, a big difference. If we can take back the culture, we can take back and save the country. Less than a week, less than a full week away. I, although I don't think we're going to have all the answers on election night. I, I think that uh, Pennsylvania and Georgia are going to have some hinkiness in the vote counting going on. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that their plans to screw things up, but I'm just saying I know that Pennsylvania is going to be slow. Because this Fetterman guy, he's he's a mess, and we know he's a mess. He was on with uh, Don Lemon, and I believe it was a taped interview, because they're trying to make him look better. Fetterman is reportedly going to be live on The View on Friday, so he'll have the questions ahead of time, but they're going to do it live. But with Don Lemon last night, uh, I'm sorry, it was this morning, because Don Lemon's no longer at night because he failed miserably. But he was this morning, and uh, Don Lemon asking John Fetterman, what is the biggest cause of inflation? Because crime and inflation are the two biggest things with the voters right now. Listen to Fetterman's answer. What's the biggest cause of inflation, and should the Biden administration be doing more? What do you think the biggest cause of inflation is, and should the Biden administration be doing more? No, I, I just do. I, I think the, uh, that simply is also, Leah, let's talk about the trillions in, in massive tax uh, tax uh, cuts to the corporate uh, tax uh, structure as well. True. You know, trillions of dollars that have added to the deficit 
and and now they still want to support those as well. True, I think in terms of being very serious about uh, addressing inflation is is making sure that those rates are brought back into a line with what they they should have been, uh, where they're able to uh, fight uh, the, the 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 deficit. I have a John Federman translator in my brain. He's saying we're just going to tax the hell out of everybody. That's the plan. That's the if you elect this guy, if we keep control in the hands of the Democrats in the House and the Senate, what they are going to do is raise taxes on everybody. There's no way to not raise taxes on everybody. It's coming if we let it happen. Fetterman also was pressed on another show about his medical records because he's not releasing them. It's kind of a trust me thing that he's going with here. Would you consider releasing a full medical record list? I, I feel like having, uh, you know, all the doctors on my team all believe that I'm, I'm, I'm fit to be uh, to serve. And I've been trying to be very transparent about, you know, going and meeting thousands and thousands of, of voters all across Pennsylvania. I always knew that the debate was going to be was challenging, giving uh, in, in our recovery uh, from a stroke. And I, sh- I showed up. So I, I do believe that I'm, I'm fit to be served. I'm fit to be served. Yes, we know he has cognitive issues connecting words with what his brain wants to say. But to prevent us from seeing the records. Dr. Oz has released his. Why can't John Fetterman release his? The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette has said that he should. He is not. He is He is pushing back on that saying, no, I'm fine. My doctors say I'm fine. He's not fine. But he's also got bad policies. His policies are more dangerous than that. But let's wonder, what would he do when um, he was on CNN with Don Lemon Lemon asked John Fetterman, what would your top priority be as a senator? Because you'd think going into office, if you're elected, you should have a plan. You should, you should have issues. You should have things that you want to get done. He doesn't sound like he does. If you do win, what is your top priority in the Senate? What would be the first bill of yours that you'd want to get passed, sir? Oh. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things that I think are important, but I'm much more focused on just running through the tape, you know, over the next eight days. Uh, I've been running on things that are always going to come down on the side of, of working families here in Pennsylvania. So what does that even mean? I'm going to be running on the things that I've been running on for working families, but how about naming a policy? He can't. He has said he will be a huge supporter of killing the filibuster of packing the Supreme Court. It's really a dangerous guy that we're looking at here. If this guy's allowed to get through, I'm just putting that out there. But crime is the issue I think that will carry. If if Republicans win, crime is the issue I think will carry us across the finish line because that is the issue that suburban moms and uh, people in the middle, the independents are going to say, I'm sick of the crime. I'm sick of it. I heard a story today about the um, Sopranos actor, Steve Sharippa, who reportedly is getting ready to leave New York City. A guy who's been in New York City, I believe, his entire life, getting ready to move out of Greenwich Village because the crime. There was a story that his wife was being attacked and he went out with a baseball bat and chased the bad guys away. But you shouldn't have to do that. 
You shouldn't have to do that in any American city. And yet here we are, mostly in those blue-run cities where the attacks are just insane. And speaking of attacks, let's talk about what happened with Paul Pelosi. He's still recovering in the hospital. We wish him well. We send prayers and hope that he heals. Nancy Pelosi's husband, who was the subject of an attack, and now we learn from the reporting that this apparently was a, uh, uh, what would you call it, Uh, a planned kidnapping of the Speaker of the House. Crazy story. And uh, our friend Wendy Patrick is going to give us her take on this. Wendy Patrick and what she thinks is going on next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our friend Wendy Patrick is joining us. I'm really happy we're kicking off the month of November with Wendy because she's just got so much she can share with us in the world of legal analysis and my ridiculous questions. And, you know, I I wanted to open, Wendy, by saying, uh, first of all, happy November to you and yours. Welcome. Welcome to November. Right back at you, my friend. Let's make it a great month. I, you know, I wanted to open up specifically with a happy November and and telling you how thrilled I am that a federal judge ruled in favor of the bikini baristas and their oh boy. their effort in Everett, Washington, to be able to sell hot coffee and bikinis has been ruled constitutional by a federal judge. So we won't have to go in and argue that either way. So you can relax on that. But we have bigger fish to fry today. And uh, I have to know what your head was thinking after last Friday and the news about the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, a horrible attack. And then all the different sides that popped up, there were like nine million different weird angles and theories. People are telling us there's three people in the house, then there's two. Everybody's in their underwear, then nobody's in their underwear, then there's hammers and there might not have been a hammer. And, And then we come up yesterday with all the charges. So uh, what do you make of this, Wendy? Yeah, you know, I had all the same thoughts, Mike. You know, the the fact that some of this was corroborated by law enforcement, you know, we always look to independent observers. And that's true even if you have a victim giving a legitimate statement, because sometimes in the heat of trauma, uh, there can be issues with perception, how many people are there, what are you looking at when we're trying to defend ourselves. Our focus necessarily is on saving our own life. So that's apparently what happened here in terms of what federal authorities decided to charge this man with. I mean, our hearts and prayers go out to the Pelosi family. I'm so glad that Mr. Pelosi is expected to make a full recovery. This could have been so significantly worse. I mean, think about it, a hammer attack on an 80-something. I mean, God was basically there in that house making sure that it wasn't any worse than it was. But I'm very interested now in learning more about the motive. We know what this attacker supposedly said, but I'm sure there are lots of people that have different political leanings and ideology. To go to this extent, we're going to be following this very closely to learn more about how did he get in and how in the world did this end up happening. Yeah, I I have questions about a lot of this. And when you bring up the... uh the heat of the moment with an attack coming against you. And we don't always remember things the same way. We don't always think clearly. I'm going to give an 82-year-old guy who's under fire from someone a little more room than I normally would 
someone I expect to give us a rock-solid testimony. But couldn't this just be, at the end of the day, Wendy, couldn't this just be somebody who is so mentally out of their out of their normal state of mind, a normal state of mind that there doesn't need to be a reason or a rationale. This is just somebody who, um, you know, I think the technical term is, is just nuts. Yeah, right. That's a legal term, isn't it? So when they, when they bring charges like this, uh, whether or not this was premeditated, preplanned, whether somebody lied in wait, those are important facts because they speak to the type of allegations and sometimes even the type of charges that we look at. And in this case, remember what they found. The officers were able to restrain the assailant, uh, who, who I guess told him he left his backpack near the smashed door window on the rear porch. But remember what they found in the backpack. Another hammer, rope, rubber and cloth, a journal, two pairs of gloves. So they have evidence to work with in deciding not only what was the motive, but was the motive to actually go much farther than he was able to go. So that is one of the reasons that even if we think somebody's, quote, just nuts, legalese, um, we want to know more to try to figure out what are the appropriate charges and also to anticipate the defense, you know, it's just too easy to always say, oh, it's a mental defense. It's not really that easy as a matter of fact, because there's a big difference between being delusional, being insane, or just, as you bring up, uh, being somebody that acted without really having a clear plan in place. Here it sounds like at least if you look at what he brought with him, maybe there was a little bit more of a plan. And that's including the statements that he supposedly made. Yeah, the statements that I read with him saying he intended to detain Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, tie her up. And uh, that alone, uh, I guess, is uh, incriminating beyond (laughs) beyond any evidence they found at the scene. His own words may uh, may hang him here. And he was he was Mirandized uh, before they asked him the questions before he said that stuff. So this might be an open and shut case, but I still go back to his ex, who is currently in a California uh, prison facility, his ex saying that he's had mental problems for a long, long time. So um, my uh, instant evaluation, if I were going to be placing a bet on this, is this guy is not going to be put in a regular prison. He's going to be put in a facility that is uh, meant to deal with people with with mental health issues and uh, probably locked up. But, Wendy, um, I just have to ask you, uh, buildings like this, uh, high-end buildings like this, they all should have some kind of security. Are we going to be able to see the video of the building security, or does that get locked down in this um, investigation and prosecution? It's an interesting question, Mike, because they've been showing the outside of the building. And I've been watching with great interest, you know, as somebody very interested in threat assessment, I wanted to know, how did he get in? How did nobody see him? Where was the alarm system? Uh, you know, many, there's many things we can do to make our home safer, even if we have an alarm. I mean, things like spiky bushes, gravel that makes a lot of noise when somebody walks on it, ring cameras. I mean, we have a lot to work with nowadays. However, let me add this caveat. People that live in high-end neighborhoods sometimes think an alarm system is good enough without all the extra trappings that most of the rest of us have that don't live in those types of neighborhoods. But this just goes to show you nowhere is safe from somebody determined to commit a crime. And, Mike, adding to the laundry list of potential risk factors we talked about earlier, remember the online presence 
that this man apparently had. Now, of course, we'll have to link it to this particular suspect, but we can often learn a lot about people online, what they post, what they respond to, what they repost, what they tweet. It just seems like there's a digital footprint that's going to come into play here as well as the case unfolds, because obviously investigation is continuing. And that's especially true in a case where, as you mentioned, there have been so many conflicting reports. We want to just tune out the noise and focus on what facts are going to matter that are going to be relevant to finding and prosecuting this man under the appropriate charges as Paul Pelosi continues to heal in the hospital. Yeah, evidence and actual statements from the person involved in it are kind of all all we should get uh, in terms of uh, making our decisions. So stuff from Paul Pelosi, which I understand he has been writing some responses or giving some information and this guy's comments and then the evidence and if there's video to back it up that should be all we pay attention to not all the fever dreams from everybody who is all frothy about this wendy something just hit me i just remembered reading something early on sunday that that there was a statement that paul pelosi may have been speaking in coded language to the 911 operator uh, when when he was making the call and kind of hinting how bad the situation was because apparently the alleged intruder attacker was able to hear him talking. And he said that he described the person as a friend. And I wonder if maybe Paul Pelosi was a little clearer than we we're giving him credit. Maybe he wasn't rattled. Maybe he was trying to speak in coded language to let the cops know, uh-oh, I'm in really bad trouble here. Yeah, you know, he would be in good company if he tried to basically downplay the scenario to uh, appease, if that word is the right word, the attacker so it wouldn't have been much worse. You know, you see this a lot in domestic violence cases, child abuse cases, where you do have somebody calling 911 but not wanting to make it obvious what they're doing so they don't arouse the wrath and the anger of the assailant. And that certainly may have been what Paul was doing here. I have to say, Mike, you know, bringing up that example, it reminds me of the statistics that have come out over the course of this last week since this happened that have really shown us how much more common it is to see attacks on public officials. I mean, it's been almost doubled since we've been keeping these statistics. I know we keep them for many years, but what kind of a world do we live in where that's been the trajectory? We want to make sure we do everything we can to keep our public officials safe, and we don't want copycats. We don't want somebody else saying, oh, wow, look at that. You know, somebody got through an alarm system on the Pelosi's residence. We want to keep our public officials safe so they can do their jobs without fear that if somebody disagrees with them, they're going to break into their home and attack them. So, it, you know, it really speaks to a larger societal issue as we really look out for each other. You know, Mike, I've always said neighborhood watch only works if neighbors are watching. And I, for one, am going to be that much more watchful to see if I recognize all the cars around my neighbor's homes, making sure, you know, we check our ring camera video because we really have to step up and keep each other safe. And the other part of that, Wendy, the neighborhood watch is reach out and know your neighbors. Because if, yeah. if you don't know them and they don't know you, this system doesn't work. There's one other angle we're going to watch on this, Wendy, before I let you go. Uh, we have to find out why the husband of the person two heartbeats away from being president was not being protected, was not being watched by a real security detail. God forbid someone actually did kidnap Paul Pelosi and oh. hold, hold him hostage because of who his wife is. 
that uh, that would have been a really awful situation. And you would have thought we would be prepared for that eventuality or have done a threat assessment ahead of time and not even allowed that situation to exist. Just a thought, just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's a great point. It's, um, it's not just the public officials themselves. It's their loved ones. It's their family members. It's their children. It's their pets. Remember, we've seen some terrible things happen um, when you have one person targeted by targeting the, the things that he or she loves. So that's a great point. We all need to make sure that, that you know our family members are just as safe and under as much security as we are. Great point. Wendy, always learn something every time I talk to you, even if it wasn't about the bikini baristas up in Everett, Washington. <laughs> I learned. Yeah, I can't really help you with that one, Mike. I know, but <laughs> you're on your own. You're on your own with that. Suddenly, one. <laughs> I feel like I need a caramel macchiato or something in Washington. Oh boy! <laughs> Save that okay. for another day. Her, her name is Wendy Patrick. She tolerates my silliness, and I appreciate her for oh. it. Uh, go to wendypatrickphd.com or follow Wendy on Twitter. Great stuff on Twitter, especially the stuff from Psychology Today. It's Wendy Patrick, Ph.D., at Wendy Patrick, Ph.D. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. 